The deep fear about what's happening and how this ends. The grief and sorrow over losing someone. The endless hours under lockdown. The social isolation. The boredom. The anxiety. The pandemic is driving us to find ways to soothe ourselves, to calm our nerves, to try and sleep better or easier or longer, and maybe just simply to feel less. So we're eating donuts and we're drinking wine. Okay, we're drinking a lot more wine. And we are, in many cases, getting high. That's the focus of our episode today. Drugs. Welcome to Six Feet Apart. I'm Alex Wagner. How do you get recreational drugs in the middle of a pandemic? For legal drugs in states like California, how do businesses manage the infrastructure of drug use, the supply and delivery of smokable, vapable, edible goods, with a quarantine in place and crazy demand? For illegal drugs in the same state, how does a dealer stay safe, legally and physically, in a moment where everyone is supposed to stay six feet apart from everyone else? Who's buying the drugs and what drugs are they buying? And most urgently, are the drugs working? Is anybody out there feeling better? We want to know. I want to know. First, we're going to hear from Dean Arbit, the CEO of Bud.com, a legal online retailer for cannabis dispensaries in Northern California. And then we're going to hear from a dealer who we'll refer to as B. He's working illegally selling drugs that remain decidedly outside of legal business regulation, but very much inside the scope of federal prosecution. But first, here's Dean. So, Dean, you run an essential business, according to the great state of California. Were you surprised that the sale of marijuana was deemed an essential business in this pandemic? You know, uh, I wasn't. I think it's hugely important to hang on to any semblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Being in this industry for about eight years in California, uh, we know how much folks rely on cannabis. So, no, we we very much uh, expected that um, uh, that in this state it would be deemed essential. For people who are unfamiliar with Bud.com, can you give us a sense of your operation, just how many people you employ, you know, how many people you service on an average month? Just a scope of operations would be helpful. Sure. So uh, we're actually a software and services provider. Uh, we work with uh, local regional dispensaries um, and essentially uh, enable delivery for their retail operations. So the, the dispensaries work with you guys to get basically a virtual-facing um, storefront. That's exactly it, Alex. Yep. Can you give us a sense of, of what's selling and, and where people are putting their money in terms of marijuana and cannabis? So that's a great question. And actually, we have seen a shift in buying habits um, since the onset of, of you know, COVID-19 and, sh- and shelter in place. Flower was far and away uh, the biggest uh, seller on the platform, uh, and then followed by vapes, vape products, and then pre-rolls and edibles. Okay. And then uh, since, um, since the pandemic, we have seen um, a drop in both flower and vape sales, um, and so and a significant rise in edible sales. 
uh, which have almost almost doubled from from the levels they were at. What, when you say flower, what do you mean? So flower is uh, what one would call like bud. So what you would roll your joint with or stick in your bong. What's the narrative there? At the beginning, people were buying a lot more of the actual bud and vape pens. Those sales are declining and you're seeing an increase in edibles. What does that tell you about you know, consumers and what does that behavior tell you? I think everybody's really, really conscious of respiratory health. Oh, um, right, of course. Yes. So they're not trying to smoke. And, and I think just generally, uh, folks are really, really conscious of respiratory health right now. Um, the other factor is, um, uh, I think it's the fact that, uh, and this is, this is kind of a, you know, more anecdotal, but we all are sort of sitting at home, um, with our kids. And, uh, I think the fact that, you know, edibles are really a discreet way, uh, to take your cannabis, uh, to dose yourself. I, I think that's, that's a big part of it. Was there ever a concern about, I mean, is there a concern the longer this lasts about a shortage? I mean, I do, uh, there is a whole um, production side right. of this, a harvesting side for flour. Uh, you know, is that, a, is that a concern in the cannabis industry? It looks like right now uh, supply is there. Uh, if you would have asked me that two weeks ago, um, I would probably answer differently. Um, just because it was such a staggering rush in orders and the orders were also, um, you know, 2x uh, the amount of our normal orders. The average ticket was about 2x of our usual ticket. Can you give me a sense of how much money people were spending two weeks ago at the height of the, the demand, the surge? Yeah, it was about uh, like 220 bucks. Uh, in wow. A, yeah, whereas it's it's a little less than half that um, normally, so it's a little over $100. I wonder what kind of cannabis products people are purchasing, because obviously different times call for different highs. Um, yeah. is, there, is there a kind of product? Have you been doing better on like the CBDs, is the sour diesel? Like, g Give us a sense of what, what kinds of cannabis are appropriate for a global pandemic. Um, so... I think we've we've seen a lot of indicas mm -hmm. uh, being sold uh, as far as you know the flower or the uh, the strain types um, of pre rolls or whatnot that folks are purchasing. Indicas are sort of the the more calming uh, strains, the sativas or the uppers, right? So we we have seen um, a, a trend towards indicas, but really um, the kind of overarching uh, trend is, has been um, the sale of edibles. And uh, THC, CBD, I will say that people have, I think it's more about THC than CBD. Um, I think CBD is kind of more of a wellness product and people have wanted to get high. Um, you, you can, people want to sort of, you know, get out of their heads a bit. Um, so gummies have been our, our biggest seller. Um, like as far as product category, it's been gummies. People are just eating the shit out of some gummies. Let's talk a little bit about the business itself. I mean, you're in California. California is one of the states that had some of the earliest outbreaks of COVID-19. Was there a point at which you thought, uh, this is going to start affecting my business? Do you remember if there was? Alex, we had a day where, you know, um, 
we had about a thousand orders um, and uh, we couldn't service them all. And uh, so, you know, we're all just humans and we all have families and kids and, and we, you know, think about things in our future. And so I, I think personally, I was thinking about, you know, the, the health and safety of, you know, my parents and the people I love. And, uh, I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about the business, like what's this going to do to the business. Sure. And then that just all came really, really fast because when everyone was ordered to stay home, um, it, it happened on its own and it happened really, really fast. And I see, um, you know, the orders coming into our system and it was, uh, it wasn't like anything I've seen before, frankly. So, um, it was very overt and it was huge and it was sudden. When, do you remember when that was? It started on, you know, almost immediately after shelter in place. Um, and so this would have been like March, 14th, 15th, 16th, around there. And so, you know, in a couple hours, in an hour, we would, we would, the the whole day would be booked out. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple days into this, uh, we were booked out uh, two and a half weeks. Wow. Um, so every delivery slot taken for two and a half weeks. So and, you uh, must have just been fulfilling orders from that big surge just like last week or the week before. You were probably still catching up to that big surge. Up until last week. Wow. Yes. Yes. I know you guys aren't running the delivery services themselves, but do you know about how the the workings of those, those delivery uh, personnel, I mean, uh, your website says that you know, you have to deliver the packages. You can't just leave them on the doorstep. Do you know a little bit about how that's working in, in the age of the pandemic? We did get waivers from the state um, uh, that do allow us to sort of, you know, place a product on a tray, have that, um, have the customer come back and uh, pick it up and then put their cash into the, uh, that same tray. And then our driver uh, pick the cash up. Um, and folks are leaving tips and uh, you don't see a whole lot of change going back and forth. How have you been dealing with it? Have you been partaking of the things you sell with greater frequency since this all began? You know, um, I can't say I have, Alex. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't uh, consume um, a whole lot uh, mm-hmm. during the day right now. Um, I, my head goes places I don't want it to. <laughs> I use it really for relaxing, uh, more in the evenings. I've actually started smoking a little less and I have started, uh, eating edibles maybe a little earlier in the evening. <laughs> I've got, you know, a couple kids and, and, uh, you know, my parents thankfully are still around, but they're, they're both compromised and so um just a lot to worry about and think about and personally it's i don't sort of get into something that uh that's going to help me block that can't divorce yourself from the fact that the stakes are really high in this moment they are they are dean thank you for your time and thoughts and you know all you're doing behind the scenes to keep people calm <laughs> in a moment of crisis and good luck with everything out there Thank you so much. 
sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. So that's the view from the legal side of things. Now we're going to hear from an illegal drug dealer, a man named B. Give us um, a picture of, you know, the business that you are in and how it operates when there's not a global pandemic. Well, um, I first started selling things um, to my friends because we all party together. And, um, you know, if they if they didn't end up getting the substances from me, then I know they, they'd be getting them from someone less reliable. Mm-hmm. And we're all broke people in the service industry. So, um, yeah, it started off as a way to uh, fund my own habits and, you know, help out my friends. So day to day would be driving around and waiting for my friends to hit me up looking for substances. And what are those substances? What, what kind of drugs primarily are we talking about? Well, um, Mushrooms are my drug of choice. Um, I suffer from depression. So uh, I microdose mushrooms Mm -hmm. almost on a daily basis, and it literally has cured my depression. So that's what I started selling. And occasionally I would do cocaine with my friends on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I started buying. And Turns out uh, that's pretty much what what most of my clients want. I didn't plan on becoming some coke dealer, but mm-hmm. uh, that's <laughs> it. Literally fuels a, a big part of Hollywood. So that's that's what uh that's what my life turned to turned into eventually. So mostly mushrooms and cocaine. Yeah, and some some Molly. And then I'll have a little acid here and there. For people who don't know what Molly is, what is Molly? MDMA. Um, Primary ingredient in ecstasy. Yeah. So in a normal day or in a normal week, how many people are you seeing? Um, let's say Fridays and Saturdays are my biggest days. So um, anywhere from uh, 8 to 15 people. On the weekdays, maybe two to five people. Has that changed? Has Have those numbers changed since people went into lockdown and quarantine? Oh, 100%. Um, I'd say <laughs> my profits are maybe down only like 30%. But mm-hmm. the people that I'm seeing, has uh, that number's gone down a lot. Um, because most of my friends are... You know, paycheck to paycheck, weekend warrior people that are in the service industry. Uh-huh. Um, but th- there's some people that have a lot of money and or still have their jobs. And it seems like they're buying cocaine as if it was toilet paper, like doomsday stocking up. Um, so I'm doing like fewer deliveries, but sometimes it's it's like bigger 
bigger quantities. Give us a sense of what a bigger quantity is today versus before the pandemic. Well, in, instead of one or two grams, they'll they'll get five grams okay. uh, at a time. Let's just talk about how this unfolded for you. I mean, there, there's a moment at which everybody I've spoken to realizes this virus is going to affect the work that they do. Did you have that moment? Was there a... A pivot Absolutely. point, yeah. It was um, whatever day they shut down the bars in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I work security at a bar, and we had like a, a big end-of-the-world party on the final day that bars were allowed to be open. And, yeah, people were, were very worried. I mean, our boss like pretty much said that we're all laid off indefinitely. So, yeah, everybody knew that they were going to be broke, and it's pretty wild. It's kind of hard to see my friends go through all of that. It's like a lot of my friends had the, the mindset of, yeah, this, this is like the end of the world. Fuck it. I'm just going to, you know, like party, party my sorrows away, like escapism. Um, and then some people are like, well, I guess I can't afford to do this. I need to be smart with my money. And it's like, yes, of course. Like, um, so there's, there's both sides of, of that. But you're saying your profits are down 30%, but you have people, you have a smaller number of clients who are buying in greater amounts. Yeah. Yes. But so we are, we're speaking now um, before the stimulus checks arrive. So if this conversation was happening you know, weeks from now, when people started getting $1,000 checks, like, yeah, it, it could be a totally different, different scenario. So you think people are going to feel more comfortable about their their pocketbooks when those stimulus checks arrive? Oh, and absolutely. <laughs> have people told you that? Um, yeah, yeah, quite a few people have. <laughs> are you are you surprised that people that the Coke is the drug of choice? Or it sounds like Coke is a drug of choice in all of this in terms of sales. Does that surprise you? Um, no, not at all. I mean, it's a, it's a good drug for um, escaping your, your sorrows. It, it numbs the mind in a way and kind of makes you happy and excited about something. For people who have never purchased drugs illegally... Um, can you just walk me through how it usually works when there isn't a raging global pandemic requiring everybody to be locked down in their houses? Well, usually um, the person will have my phone number and I'll, they'll text me asking me if I'm around today and I'll tell them, yeah, after 8 p.m. And uh, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll text me in the evening and I'll give them an ETA, drive to their house tell them I'm here and they will Venmo me and I will hand them drugs and have a small conversation and everything's good. And then I'll text somebody else, my ETA, and it's pretty, it's pretty efficient. And do you know everybody that you're dealing to? Yes. I, I don't consider myself a criminal because, um, it's all friends or friends of friends. Um, 
people I trust, and I really follow my intuition when it comes to crime. <laughs> so now that people are under quarantine or they're in isolation and they're not supposed to be having those handshakes and conversations, how is the process working for you? It's very similar, except for now we're wearing masks and I don't give them a hug and they don't sit in my car and talk to me for <laughs> five minutes. And do you meet them outside of your car, you know, on a corner or in a park or something? No. Um, they come up to my window and I drop it into their hand. <laughs> Are you worried, though? That sounds like it's less than six feet apart. Um, no, I'm not worried. I do carry hand sanitizer on me and I'm wearing a mask and I do wear gloves now when I'm, um, you know, uh, packaging the product. So, uh, yes, I, I do hand it to people. So, And for the most part, people are okay with that process? Yes, we're all trusting friends. So there are two things you have to be considerate of. One is just actually the exchange of you know, germs. And then there's the the legal part of it, right? Like, do you worry about being visible to cops on the street? Or I mean, is that not even so much a consideration in, in the moment of, of a pandemic? Um, that's, <laughs> that's not too much of a concern. You know, I also uh, technically work for Uber Eats. So I could always act like I'm delivering food, if I were to get pulled over, or anything like that. You're operating outside the law. And what's interesting in this moment is that marijuana dispensaries, cannabis, is deemed you know, very much within the bounds of the law. And not only that, it's an essential business. And so they're able to get all kinds of regulations relaxed. You don't get any of that. Is there an, any amount of, I don't know what the right word is, envy that weed is um, so much more you know, it's above board. Weed dealers, um, they're seen as small businesses and you're not. Um, no, there's no envy. I mean, I used to be in the weed game before it was legal. And as soon as it became legal, it was, it was less exciting and boring. So I switched drugs. Is that why you're in it? Because you find it exciting? I am an adrenaline junkie, first and foremost. Well then being a Coke dealer in a pandemic would seem to be like the right role for you, huh? That's, yeah, that's why I'm doing, I'm doing just fine right now. When we talk about, you know, all the things that um, are getting disrupted in this moment, the supply chain is a huge question when it comes to everything from carrots to cannabis, and I would assume cocaine is in the mix too. You have a source, and I'm not asking you to divulge anything about that source, but do you worry that the supply chain is going to get disrupted in all of this? Um, I don't. I don't think. Uh, uh, I mean, unfortunately, it uh, all the cocaine comes from the the cartels. But you know, they're human beings that are harvesting and processing the coke, and then there are global supply chains that are getting interrupted on every level by a virus that knows nothing about the law. You know. That's not even a thought that I, I want to meditate on, but you really yeah. just got me thinking about it. Nothing's been able to stop the cartels before. I don't think a virus would. <laughs> the people that you're, you're, you know, they're your friends. You know these people. You've dealt to them before. Have you noticed a change in their behaviors since this all started? I mean, people are in lockdown, so presumably, you know, life is different for them. 
Have you have you seen any evidence of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, things aren't easy for anybody. It's crazy, and I guess I am glad that we're all in this together. But uh, it's it's more just I'm I'm sad, and I want to party, doom and gloom on the mind. I guess I wonder how you're dealing with this. You know, like how are you thinking about your life right now? Well, um, so like I, I eventually want to get into acting, believe it or not. Uh-huh. And I, I always kind of felt bad about my life that, um, you know, I wasn't putting in the real work to become an actor and, and uh, ended up just selling drugs most nights. And now I don't have to feel bad about not acting because acting is canceled. <laughs> that's that's true. I actually feel a little more comfortable just doing this <laughs> like i'm not missing out on other opportunities because there's less of them now do you feel like you're helping people um always because they would be getting it from a less reliable source if it wasn't for me um at least that's what i'm telling myself so I sort of wonder, you know, I feel like um, dealers, because of the relationship you have with your clients, you guys have this super intimate relationship with people and you, you know, people have to trust you on a number of levels. And I guess I wonder if in this moment, you know, when you have these intimate relationships, people are kind of um, emotionally naked in a way when they are dealing with their dealers. Is there anything that you've learned in this moment? about humanity? I mean, I guess I've, I've learned uh, how deep uh, some of my friends' fears actually go and, and who really uh, is, is like reckless when it comes to you know, drinking and partying and who, who is actually uh, a germaphobe. Well, B, we hope you stay well and healthy. And to the degree that people are finding some measure of comfort, I hope that they're able to continue to find some peace in a moment of chaos. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode of Six Feet Apart. Our show is produced by Elisa Gutierrez and Lyra Smith. Lyra Smith is our story editor. Our executive producer is Sarah Geismer. Special thanks to Allison Falzetta, Stephen Hoffman, and Sydney Rapp. Thanks for listening, and stay safe. <laughs>